You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. speculations that they have about this man before them in the temple teaching are now starting to weigh heavy on them. They're starting to weigh heavy on them. And it has affected the way that they are going to respond to Jesus. And this is what false perceptions and mixed speculations do to us. It has an effect on us at the way we respond, not only to others, but maybe to Jesus as well. Maybe some of you have big speculations about Jesus. Jesus was wrongly characterized by people who didn't really know him, and this eventually led to his death. In today's message, Pastor Dave discusses the danger of judging people based upon looks or what you've heard from others. Do you wrongly characterize people? What harm might this be causing? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 7 as he begins his message, Speculations and Perceptions. Gospel of John, as we've been going through this wonderful study, we found out that this section that John is now in is full of conflict. Everywhere Jesus goes, division happens. There are many opinions about who Jesus is. There are many divisions on who he says he is and who he really is. Um, We're going to study about that a little bit today in a message that I titled Speculations and Perceptions. People have different speculations and different perceptions about who Jesus is. And it even flows into today's life. Because many people today have a different speculation and a different perception of who Jesus is. Gospel of John, chapter 7, beginning in verse 25. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me and know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him and he sent me. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? So as we have been studying, section of John, as I said, that we're in right now is full of conflict. It's full of division and it's setting up the rest of the gospel. It's setting up the rest of the gospel, as we had said, that from this point on, Jesus is focused on the cross because it's only about six months from this point till the crucifixion. And you see, we're only in chapter 7 when there's 21 chapters in the gospel of John. So you see, there's still a lot more to go as Jesus now heads directly to the cross. 
He's looking at the cross. His eyes are like a flint to the cross. He knows why he's here. He knows what he has to do. He knows why he came. He knows who sent him. He knows the purpose of his mission. And his eyes are ever before that. So we're about six months this side of the cross. The cross is ever before his eyes. The vision is happening everywhere Jesus grows. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring the vision. And we saw this division all along, and it continues to build and to build. In John 6, the apostle told us that there was a sharp division which was caused by Jesus' teaching. Some thought it to be hard doctrine. Many, many, many of his followers left, ceased to follow him no more because of what he was trying to teach. And it wasn't so much at what he was teaching as it was as them trying to apply what they were learning. They couldn't apply it because it was too difficult for them. They knew it would cost them sacrifice. They knew it would cost them dearly to apply these teachings to their lives. And so they went away. John wrote about this and told us many followers chose to leave Jesus at that point. Then we came to chapter 7. And once again, we see a sharp division. But this time, it's between Jesus' brothers and himself. His brothers say, go up to the feast. Show yourself. If you're the Messiah, everybody will see your good works. Everybody will see your miracles. And they'll declare your worth. They'll declare you're truly the Messiah. That wasn't God's plan. Jesus knew that they wanted to kill him. He knew that if he went up and started this ruckus, that he would be taken and killed. But his hour hadn't come yet. It wasn't his time. His brothers went up anyway. They went to the feast. They were up there all along. And everyone up there kept on saying, where's Jesus? Where is he? We want to know. The people were misguided by their leaders. They were misled by their leaders. And then they formed a misjudgment about Jesus. They looked at him and thought something different than what he truly was and what he truly is. This happened because they had mixed speculations and they had false perceptions that were given to them by the religious leaders. And now the crowds that gathered at the feast, they were having these mixed speculations. They were having these mixed feelings and mixed false perceptions. When you speculate about something, you form an opinion without evidence. When you make a speculation, you form an opinion without evidence. We see this every day in the stock market. Stocks go up and down based on traders' speculations. They think something's going to happen that might even raise the stock or lower the stock. We see this all the time. You come to a conclusion without really knowing the facts, without really knowing the truth. Perception is a way of regarding or understanding or interpreting something. And if you interpret it falsely, you've made a false perception. When you make a false perception, you make a false assumption. And you could end up acting in a wrong fashion. How many of you have made a false perception about someone? We talked about that last week, about not judging according to righteousness, but judging by appearance. How many of us are guilty of that at one time or another? So if you speculate about something or someone without firm evidence, you come up with this false perception, and that's what's taking place in our scriptures today. That's what's been taking place all along. These people who are gathered at the feast have been misguided by their religious leaders. They've been misled. 
They've come into false judgment. And these perceptions and these speculations that they have about this man before them in the temple teaching are now starting to weigh heavy on them. They're starting to weigh heavy on them. And it has affected the way that they are going to respond to Jesus. And this is what false perceptions and mixed speculations do to us. It has an effect on us at the way we respond, not only to others, but maybe to Jesus as well. Maybe some of you have big speculations about Jesus. Maybe some of you are under a false perception of who Jesus is, and you've been responding in a difficult way. Hopefully we'll clear that up as we look at our scriptures today. John 7 is full of these mixed speculations and false perceptions. There are different groups here. And we see this happening. We see the same thing happening today. Many continue to speculate who Jesus was and is. They have false perceptions. Why? Because they haven't accepted the truth about who he really is. When you, by faith, accept the truth about Jesus, all your speculations and false perceptions go away. Because the truth sets you free, and you know what the truth is. I had a dear friend of mine who graduated from Princeton University in theology. And when I met him, he had the most outrageous idea of who Jesus was because of what he learned at Princeton University, majoring on theology, I might add. You might not know this. All of the Ivy League colleges at one time were seminaries. They all started as seminaries, every one of them. So my dear friend, who is still my dear friend today, he went to Princeton, was an extremely intelligent man, and he had all these questions about Jesus. So he took this theology class, and when he got out, he was more confused than when he went in. But when he truly accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, when he truly became born again, when he truly became filled with the Holy Spirit, when he became baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, all his questions, all his speculations, all his perceptions were gone. Why? Because he knew the truth. He knew the truth and was set free by the truth. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And that means being free from false speculations, being free from false perceptions. Being free to know Jesus as who he is, the Son of God, God incarnate, the second person of the Trinity, our Savior, the one who died for us on a cross. These truths set us free. These truths about who Jesus is. But these people, they were struggling. They were struggling. Here's this man in front of them. And they really can't grasp a hold of his sayings. They can't grasp a hold of what he's trying to tell them. And as we look at these groups, the first group we're going to look at are the Jews. Now, when we speak of the Jews in this context, we're speaking of the religious leaders. Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. We're speaking of the ones who are the religious leaders, the ones of the religious leaders of that time. They wanted to kill Jesus for one reason and one reason only. He broke their law concerning the Sabbath. That's it. He broke their law. Jesus pointed out last week, wait a minute. I heal a lame man on the Sabbath and you want to kill me? You follow the law of Moses in circumcision. And if it's the eighth day for a male child, he needs to be circumcised. You circumcise him on the Sabbath. But yet you want to kill me because I made a man whole on the Sabbath. Something wrong, folks. Something's wrong. But they were watching and waiting for him at the feast. 
They wanted to grab a hold of them because they knew his teaching was making them look bad. His teaching was exposing their hypocrisy. His teaching was making the others who come to them start to think about, wait a minute, am I in the wrong place? Do I know what really go on? This is why Jesus came to the feast in secret. He didn't need to boldly walk in there, except when he gets there, what does he do? He bolts into the temple and starts teaching. you got to love it. They were intimidated by Jesus. They were intimidated by his knowledge. Why? Not because he knew great things. How many places do we read why they say, how did he get this learning? Where did he know these things? Next week, we're going to study when he says, no man ever spoke like that. They weren't intimidated by that. They were intimidated by the fact that he didn't have any training. They were intimidated by this guy, just a carpenter's son. What's he know? Who's he supposed to be? They were making these poor judgments about him. They made speculations and false perceptions. Although Jesus continued to tell them where he came from, tell them who sent him, they continued not to believe because they couldn't. Their eyes were blinded. Their hearts were hardened. They believed in their law, their traditions, and nothing was going to sway them from that belief. They had made up their minds. They thought they knew where he was from. Look at verse 27. However, we know where this man is from. But when Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. No one knows where he's from. They vaguely grasped the mystery of who this Jesus was. They were caught in the religious box. And their view of Jesus was tainted because of their religion. They didn't know this. They gleaned from it. The next group of people we see are the crowds that have gathered for the feast. And as we studied, they were already misled and misguided by the religious leaders. There was confusion. There was sharp disagreement amongst them. Some said, he's a good man. Others would say, oh, no, 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 he's a deceiver. So there was sharp division. When Jesus asked the Jews why they were trying to kill them, the crowd thought he had a demon. Oh, he's demon-possessed. What they were really saying was, this guy's crazy. This guy's mad. This guy's insane. He's lost his nut. They were ignorant of the plot to kill Jesus. Some of them were. Others wondered if Jesus was indeed the man that they were trying to kill. Go back to verse 25. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? This led to more speculation. This must be the Messiah. They're not trying to take him. They're not trying to kill him. If they're really trying to kill him, he's right there. Why don't they take him? This must be the Messiah. Many of them, the Jews, believed that the Messiah would suddenly appear. They believed in Malachi 3, verse 1. And it says that God's messenger will come suddenly into the temple. So they believed that the Messiah would just miraculously appear before them. No way would the Messiah just be a man. A lowly man at that. Someone from Nazareth? They couldn't, they couldn't even begin to believe that. So Jesus can't be the Messiah because he, we know where he's from. So the debate continues. See, in Isaiah 53, when they read it, it gives the interpretation that no one's supposed to know where the Messiah comes from. And that's how they're taking it. They're taking that interpretation. Because they knew Jesus' parents, oh, so they thought, they knew where he was from, so he couldn't be the Messiah. No way could he be the Messiah. Did they not know that he was born in Bethlehem, according to the prophecies? Did they not know that? No. They only saw him as Jesus of Nazareth. What did Nathaniel say? 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Their perception made them prejudice. Their perception made them prejudice towards Jesus. The only one who was not confused about Jesus was Jesus. He was the only one who wasn't confused about him. He knew who he was. He knew very, very well who he was. Guzik said this, quote, the crowds were perhaps confused about where the Messiah would come from, but Jesus knew exactly where he came from. Jesus was not a confused man wondering if he was really the son of God. He didn't go around thinking, am I really the son of God? What's going on here? No, he knew who he was. He knew who he was. And as you read verses 28 and 29, Jesus once again declares his deity. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple saying, you both know me. And you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. He had already told them that he was from God. He already claimed that God was his father. He already claimed equality with God, and this drove them nuts. To them, this was blasphemy. How could a man say that he was God's son? How could he say that? Well, Jesus was saying it. They speculated. They made these false perceptions about the Messiah, so they did not believe. So what's the next best thing? Let's arrest them. That's the next best thing. Let's arrest them. But they couldn't. You know, you've got to love Jesus' confidence in here. He's been in the temple now for quite a while. He's been teaching them boldly in the temple. And everybody else was confused. Everybody else was wondering what was going on. He never hesitated. He continued to come right at him with the truth. He came right at Here it is. Here's the truth. If you don't like it, tough. Here it comes. I think this is a good example of great preaching. We need to come at each other with the truth. Because the truth is going to set you free, not what you think I should say or what you think I should feel how you feel. You know how you feel about me and I feel about you and you feel about others. Sometimes the truth is hard for us to hear. Sometimes it's difficult for us to hear. Truth cuts right to our heart. And sometimes we have to see the truth and then we have to do something about the truth. And it's difficult. Jesus knew who sent him. Jesus knew he was headed to a cross. So he spoke with boldness. In verse 30, we see they tried to take him. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because it wasn't his hour yet. Once again, Jesus' time hasn't got here. It's interesting. Notice that the religious leaders couldn't argue with Jesus. They couldn't get their point across. They didn't want to argue with him. So what did they do? They resorted to violence. Sounds familiar? Sounds familiar. It happens today. It happens today. We're not going to argue with you. We're just going to beat the snot out of you until you agree with us. We'll make you agree with us. If you don't agree with us, we'll make you do that. Until the time was right, no one could lay a hand on Jesus. There would come a time. There would come a time in John 12, 23, exactly when Jesus says, my hour has come. Up until that time, no one could touch him. How many times have we said in our study of Samuel that no one can thwart the plan of God? Nothing will thwart the plan of God, whether it's in your life, my life, or others' lives. Nothing will thwart the plan of God. These speculations and these perceptions caused great confusions, not only among the people, but among the religious leaders. There was great perceptions. And when they responded, they responded in three different ways. They responded in three different ways. And I want to look at these ways as we go back all the way to back to verse 20. 
It says, the people answered and said, you have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Why, why do the people seek to kill me was Jesus' question. And the crowd said, you're mad. You're insane. They dismissed him. You must be a mental case. We know no one's trying to kill you. And if someone's trying to kill you, why haven't they taken you? Why haven't they come and arrested you? They were curious about that. The people had a hard time believing what he taught. They taught it to be hard doctrine. They were confused about Jesus, even though he had told them time and time and time again. That's response number one. Response number two is we knew that the Jews were trying to kill him. The Jews wanted to kill him. They wanted nothing more than to get rid of Jesus. They were extremely hostile towards him. They wanted to arrest him. They wanted to take him out. They were in the religious box, and their response was based on their religion. He violated one of their laws. These religious guys were so vexed by what he said, they couldn't explain it. But I believe deep in their hearts they knew the truth. I believe deep in their hearts they knew the truth, but the reason that they didn't like Jesus is because they were too arrogant and prideful to admit it. They were too arrogant and prideful to admit it. You know, our arrogance and our pride can get into a lot of trouble when we're trying to come to the Lord. We're trying to know the things of the Lord. Their response was based on prejudicial attitudes towards Jesus. The more Jesus spoke the truth, the more they wanted to get rid of him. Neither group believed that Jesus was the Messiah because they knew where he was from. They knew his mom and dad. They knew the town. Thus, the response was also based on prejudice. And this is what speculation and false perception does. You build up a prejudice towards a person, towards someone. To be prejudiced simply means to have a preconceived judgment or opinion about something or someone. It's an adverse opinion. It's opinion that's bad. It leads forms without grounds, without justice, without sufficient knowledge. So you have those who thought he was crazy, you have those who wanted to kill him, and there is a third group. Third group, look at verse 31. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Many believed him. They felt that the Messiah could not do any greater deeds than what Jesus has already accomplished so Jesus must be the Messiah. Any man capable of doing the miracles that he did must be the, the Messiah. As Jesus spoke, these people's hearts were opened. They were drawn to him. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When Jesus spoke the word of God, they were drawn to him. Their eyes were opened. Their hearts were opened. They received. Anybody who is capable of doing miracles like this must be the Messiah. Which response do you fit in? Where's your response to Jesus? You know, as I study, I come across all kinds of information, and you've got to glean through the information as to what it is and how it fits. But do you know that the Bible records over 2,000 different responses to Jesus? Over 2,000 different responses to Jesus and who he is? The vast majority, over 97% of them, are negative responses. Over 97% of them are negative responses. In today's society, we are faced with the same responses. We're all faced with the exact same response, and I call them the popular response. You are 
Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.